Welcome to BN Radio. This is your host G coming at you live from the studio in cloudy, gloomy San Diego, California. June gloom vibes all the way, but I'm loving it. Coming at you with this episode of Back of House Podcast, our show where we dive deep into the no filters world of uh, the background, the stories of some really interesting people. And for this episode, we decided to go a little bit uh, in a different direction from what we normally have recorded, which is mostly uh, hospitality, food and beverage industry professionals and this time around i went a little bit of a different direction which is actually something that i feel we're going to definitely get more into because the back of house uh term is definitely something that you see more in the hospitality industry but it's also like like 21 savage said it's a vibe it's a vibe the back of house vibe is what we're trying to get at we're trying to get deep no filters conversations the kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes so for this episode i invited a good friend that i actually just made this year 2019 i'm talking about my friend ben sullins and if you haven't heard about ben sullins well keep on listening you're gonna find out who exactly ben sullins is but ben has a really cool story and his work is really really good so i wanted to just kind of shoot the shit with him for lack of a better term and just sit down and turn the mics on and see what happens and we had a really good time so um definitely you know check out ben's content as well after the podcast to see what exactly it is he does but if you're into the the tesla vibe and you're into you know elon musk and and just into basically saving the planet you're gonna love what ben represents because his vibe is all about obviously teslas you know his his his, uh online persona is teslanomics but ben is also a really big advocate towards moving into a more sustainable future um and his vibe is just really good great energy i hope you guys enjoy the show and um we'll talk soon again enjoy back of house with ben sullins of teslanomics ciao Ben Sullins in the studio or the room, <laughs> I should say. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly uh, just get my shit out of the way really quick and tell you guys about the gentleman that I'm about to interview right now, Ben Sullins. Uh, I met him here at WeWork, uh, which is our uh, office where BN is based out of, and Ben's HQ is also here. Um, we've actually I think we connected over Mescal was the first thing that that's right because you had a met. bottle in your office yeah so we uh we connected over mezcal we didn't drink mezcal we still have yet to drink. No? yeah we haven't uh had our first mezcal yet but uh we connected over mezcal and we just you know we're, we happen to be like a couple of doors down neighbors uh and i've really vibed vibed ben his vibe like he's really really dope so I'm going to let him just quickly uh, introduce himself before we get into all the good stuff. But just tell us sure. who you are, what you do, Ben, yes. where you're from. 
So uh, I guess you'd call me a YouTuber now. Um, I make these YouTube videos where I look at Tesla, the car company or energy company and how they're kind of changing our world. Uh, previous to this, I was a, a, a data analyst, a data scientist uh, working in you know tech and corporate America for almost 20 years. And um, when I started, when I first got my, my first Tesla, it changed my whole perspective on what like technology could be. Um, because if we look at so much of what technology is today, it's, it's uh, this digital stuff. It's a new filter for Snapchat or something like that. It's stuff to me that is just boring and not, it's just not interesting. And I get into a Tesla and it was the first time I saw a company doing something that that was physically changing our world, right? Apple can come out with a new thing or some one of these companies can come out with these new, like a screen or a camera or something, but it's all been done. And so I was really fascinated with Tesla when I first started getting into it. And so I started making YouTube videos about it and people liked them, uh, even though I'm just kind of a data geek, I'm not really like doing anything crazy. I'm mostly looking at numbers, uh, but there was, I think something like my guess, maybe this is self-aggrandizing, but I feel like there's truth in data and truth in numbers. And with all the shit out there in the media right now, like it's nice to have something that you can point to and say, oh, that's real. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't just make that up. This isn't just an opinion. And sometimes those numbers aren't always like what people want to hear, right? That's the thing. For real. Yeah. I get, I get, you know, half, like every video I have, there's a lot of people hating on everything I do because it's either me pointing out something that is just objectively true looking at the data and it is in favor of Tesla. So all the Tesla fanboys are like, oh yeah, this is the shit, yeah. And then I'll do another video saying, man, I don't know about this thing. This is not actually working out how we th thought it is based on this data. You call people out all the time, like yeah, on, on their bullshit. I try to be truthful, right? Yeah. I, I try to, I mean, as the saying goes, the channel, the whole thing is free the data and your mind will follow. So that's kind of the idea is like, that's that's like a tagline you came up with. Like that's, yeah. that's your the vibe of Tesonomics. Yeah, it came from actually a a retreat, a surf uh, yoga thing I went down in uh, Nicaragua in um, Playa Gigante. I was down there with my wife, and, and it was this yoga studio or this yoga retreat, and these girls had a thing that said "Free your hips, and your mind will follow," because you know yoga is all about like free, you know freeing up parts of your body or whatever, and and you know there is something that's like a bit spiritual about it. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of time to think when I was down there and uh, my whole career had basically been working with companies to try to take the data that's buried in different systems and bring it, bring it to light. So you can see what's going on with the data so you can see what's real. And then from there, as a business, you can make better decisions. Do data scientists, like moving forward, I think with all the data that's out there nowadays is like a super important position right like any company no matter what you do yeah. data scientists and if you're gathering all this data from people like yeah you got to figure out what the fuck i mean doing, right? how do you know what to do right like you got up this morning you put on some clothes you made some coffee you got in your car you came here not a tesla by the way. <laughs> not yet uh yeah. you knew to do that because of past experience mm -hmm. and that past experience is your own data in your own mind. It's it's you, your brain does this. Like all of our brains do this all the time where we collect information 
And based on the information and based on past experience, we try to guess what's going to happen, right? If someone comes walking at us, are they just going to walk by us? Are they going to say hi? Are they going to try to rob us? Whatever the case may be, our brains are constantly doing this. Now, companies only started to figure out that they should be doing this as well in like the 1970s or 80s. So that's when data started to become a thing. And nowadays, you know, you think about uh, companies like Facebook or Netflix or Google, how much data they have on us. And so, yeah, data science is the hottest thing, um, really. It really is. Yeah. It's all the like, all the things you can think of that are really dope. Like even those Snapchat filters, those are algorithms being run by data scientists and developed, right? All the machine learning AI stuff. That's what it's all based on. So for me, data is the new oil. It is what is the most valuable asset of any company out there. So a small company, maybe they don't have the resources to hire somebody that's going to do this for them, but they can use tools like Google Analytics or uh, any of these other like things that you can just drop on your website and boom, you've got you've got really good valuable information to make decisions on. Dope. So like the data is also, are you one of those people that are, is like afraid that the robots are going to take over or are you, are you cool with it? You want to coexist because you're, I mean, can a robot technically be a data scientist? Which, yeah. Which I was thinking like a Tesla, a car is almost like a data scientist, right? Cause the car is always thinking and adapting and shit. Like that. I, I think that like, there's there's the there's different levels mm-hmm. right the the one where the robots or the machines take over the world and enslave humanity the terminator mm-hmm. um that's possible but in my in my head so like a hundred years out or more okay so it could happen could <laughs> but by then we also will have evolved and maybe we'll be a multi-planetary species by then. There will be so much more going on. Earth won't be as cool anymore. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think Earth will always be dope. Uh, living on Mars and all these other ideas people have are, are honestly not like... You, you wouldn't move to Mars, right? Hell no. Yeah, me neither. I'm like... You can't breathe there. Like, there's so many boring, problems. Man. There's no, like, in and out or shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm not... Like, I wouldn't have been an explorer right. back in the days, but... Damn, dude, that's just like, I like Earth. <laughs> no, <laughs> Earth is it. Like in Earth our solar dope, system, yeah. I mean, there's no water on Mars, so yeah, you know, like no, it's not a no, none of we that. We gotta but, take care of the planet, right, Ben? That's basically what I mean, we gotta do right now. <laughs> I've kind of evolved that. That's what my YouTube channel is about: is helping people uh, make that decision to pull that trigger. I think a lot of people, when they by the time they find one of my videos or my channel. They're already on the five-yard line. They're already ready to, to, to score. They're, they're ready to pull the trigger on an electric vehicle. And my job is to help share the truth about what it's like owning them, because I've owned them for several years now. How many years now? Since you Three and a half three is and when half. I first okay. got my first Tesla. And that's, I mean, for me, that's a long time, because you're, you're an early adopter. Because, in, in, like, Tesla's became mainstream about three years ago for me at least yeah like i started seeing more of them mm-hmm. like three years ago and, and three years ago was that the first year of the model x uh 2016, 2016? yeah okay so that's kind of for me when it like yeah it's like whoa these are like starting to pop up everywhere right and 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 really for, i think for a lot of people they're just now entering the mainstream like your the model three 
which is the cheaper, smaller sedan or whatever. That is the one that I think most people, like probably fast forward a year or even now, most people, when they think of a Tesla, that's probably the one they think of. Um, I got mine, a Model S, in in 2016, and that was after driving my buddies and uh, the company I worked for at the time. We had a company car that was a Tesla, okay. and so that was back in Salt Lake City. So I would every time I, I would be in Salt Lake City once a month at least, and that was my car I had when I there when I was there. So I got used to driving that um, all the time, and then so you you've been like experiencing Tesla's for way longer than three years. Maybe like five years. Five years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, because when I first interviewed at that company, my um, then boss, the founder of the company, Aaron Sconard, took me for a ride in his, and it blew my mind. Yeah, uh, I've always hated cars. I, I always that, thought cars I, were. I think that's what every first person that does that like. Yeah, is like whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what I mean? You, like, you go rent a go rent a Tesla for a day. Yeah, and you'll end up buying one that night. Or even the overnight test drives, right? That Tesla yeah. offers, which I think are freaking amazing. Like, yeah. I, fact that you just walk in and like take a car home yeah i mean and they do that like because the idea is there's still a big fear or a big hesitation around um owning an electric car uh i think that a lot of people are just uh, confused by it they're not sure what they're going to get into Mm -hmm. um but then you get the car home and you just plug it into an outlet in your garage or a dryer outlet or wherever and you and even if you don't have that let's say you live in an apartment or something you look up on the on the in the car itself you hit a button and you show all the chargers and you know in any major u.s city there's going to be thousands um even down in valle there's a bunch now yeah yeah. you know and and so even in tijuana there's a bunch like they're all over um certainly more remote areas like i have friends that live in texas and uh they'll go visit their parents there's not a charger for 150 miles and it's like okay like that's a challenge right because mm-hmm. that place is so big too but there's also not a gas station right like there are yeah there'll be gas stations okay so, so it's like the middle of nowhere there's like a ga- right a ca- couple gas stations. but here's the deal everybody you know if you own a home you have a place to charge yeah so the analogy like i've seen these analysts in the media that say this dumb shit like Oh, well, if Tesla wanted to have as many electric car um, chargers as there are gas stations, here's how much money they would have to spend. It's like $50 billion. Like, And so they're going to go bankrupt. Like, they'll fucking die. Like, yeah. Whatever. But when it comes down to it, every house that has an electrical outlet has a Tesla charger in yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It, you can charge just from a regular outlet. It's not a lot of energy, but it works. Yeah. I did I did it as an experiment in a video. I did it for a week where I I only charge with a regular outlet, even though I have a Tesla charger okay. in my house, and it was fine. Do you, do you get a full charge overnight or no, no? So from a regular wall outlet, you'll get about three miles of range per hour. Okay. So if you're plugged in and you're there for let's say ten hours, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and we're probably home more than ten hours. Let's say twelve hours. You get home at seven p.m. And you and you leave at 7 a.m. the mm-hmm. next day for work, and in 12 hours you're going to get 36 miles of range. Yeah. Now, 36 miles is right around what most people in the U.S. drive on a daily basis for their commute. Okay. So, so just a regular wall outlet will almost work for most people in the United States. And if you have a full charge and you say you use 36, you charge it. You just never... You don't need to charge it all the way. So like my car, my Model 3, the, the, the long range, has 325 miles of range on a full charge. 
That is a lot. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. We we would go and drive for a week without even charging once. So it's not like you need to charge every night. Mm-hmm. The idea was just okay. What if you did drive a lot? Yeah. How what would that experience be like? Mm-hmm. And and it works. You and know. I think the other misconception that you. And it, it's such a simple one, but I think that a lot of people who don't own a Tesla don't don't get it. I mean, at least myself, which the moment I realize it, I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot, man. Why? <laughs> you know, so like the fact that there's like, you know, if you live in a city, there's superchargers or they're called yeah. superchargers, right? So right. like thinking about it this way, like how many people have a gas station at their house? Right. Right. Like you don't, you could do the wall thing. Or buy a charger but also like you can just take it for like 10 minutes or 30 minutes to a supercharger and get yeah. 40, get a lot right so uh, yeah y- you'll get okay so so when you're charging a battery this is the thing you need to know it's almost like filling a glass of water so if you're if your glass of water is completely empty mm-hmm. you can just pour water in really fast right but as that gets more full as that fills up and gets closer to the top you have to slow down so you can go from almost zero percent charge to about 80 percent charge in like 30 minutes okay now if i have 300 miles of range that means i'll get around 240 miles in 30 minutes so if i'm on a road trip 240 miles it's about two hours of driving right um or 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 even more than that so it's one of those things where like if you were on a road trip doing this you're going to want to stop every four hours for, you know, Take food. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> right. So, you, so you're, you're not going to drive for 20 hours straight and only stop for five minutes. Um, so I think on the road trip is where it becomes a bit more challenging. But on a regular day basis, yeah, you don't even need any charger. You can just hit a supercharger on the weekend for an hour and you're good for at least a week. Yeah. Depending on how much you drive. Right. Some people have emailed me saying, oh, I drive 100 miles each way. I say move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like get, like just get a new house. Like leave, yeah, leave where you're at because that's bullshit. So, yeah. so that that's the thing though. I think it's possible for more people to own Teslas once they realize like, hey, it's just like going to a gas station. Yeah, except that's a little different. But you don't need to like, because that was my thing. Like in my garage, like I just I've never seen an outlet. I'm sure there there yeah. are outlets in there, but it probably mean like running this crazy long extension cord or something right so i'm always like oh dude like if i would have known just that really simple thing i think i wouldn't have renewed the lease that i have now mm. Which yeah I, like you don't have to have a, 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 a any kind of charging infrastructure you yeah. can you can do public ones tesla has a, i mean in there are uh, you don't have to just use tesla chargers so there's just regular uh, electric vehicle chargers out there that, that you can pay. Oh, so the reg- the regular ones that just say like EV charger yeah. work. Is mm-hmm. that is that thing like a USB almost where it just fits any electric Sort car? of. Um, Tesla has an adapter for them. Okay, so okay. there's kind of a standard that, that uh, we'll just say all electric cars support. Tesla has its own because they were building them kind of before anyone else was, mm-hmm. um, but they just have an adapter for it, so it's it's easy. Yeah. What does that adapter live? I'm curious. Like, is it just in the little? It, like, it's thing? literally like 
the size of a, like a very small, like an espresso cup or something, and okay. it just fits on top of your Tesla one. Okay. So you plug your Tesla one into it, or I'm sorry, it, you plug the it on top of the EV charger and you plug that into your car. Okay. And it's but, easy. But that, that little cap, is it just living in the car or where? It, do... it, it, they give you a little bag to keep it with. Okay. So like when you, when, when you buy a Tesla, they'll give you uh, a mobile charger. Um, that way you can take it with you wherever you go. And in the mobile charger, you have the really high power outlet uh, adapter um, and then the, the regular uh, regular 110, 120 um, you know, outlet adapter mm-hmm. and then this adapter as well. So you get the cable, the charger, all that stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I'm always like wondering like, dude, what if you lose that thing? You're like in the middle of somewhere where... Yeah, you just keep it in the front. Just keep it you know, there, right? in okay. the front trunk. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope, man. So what about like, I'm going to ask you questions that I think people would want to know. Like, how much does it cost to to charge like that's the biggest thing i think other people want to know it's like yeah like how much do you pay for it it's like it's not free right um it depends so uh it de- if you're buying a brand new tesla right now uh-huh. um and, and they have promotions for free charging all the time so it, it varies which model you buy there's referral codes where you can get uh, a thousand miles of free charging by the way we'll put your referral code in, in, <laughs> in this link man because i know like people can get free miles and stuff that's based right on your referral yeah i think right now you get uh if someone uses a referral code to buy a tesla they get a thousand miles of charging for free okay so uh, you know depends how much you drive you know and how much you use that charger like that could last you uh, a, a month or two whatever okay. you know um so yeah so so there's that but but like let's just say forget that let's just say you you didn't have that you just wanted to pay for it well if you're paying if you have a outlet at home mm-hmm. it's going to be that's generally your cheapest option okay um in california we have crazy expensive electricity so depending on the time of day you could be paying a lot but if you wanted to use a Tesla charger, uh, I'll just give you an example. I went to Vegas um, last January, and uh, I, I went up there and I, and I drove there and back, and, and and I charged and I had to pay using a Tesla supercharger. Mm-hmm. From here to Vegas and back, it cost me seven dollars. And so from San Diego to Vegas is like a four-hour drive, yeah. a couple hundred miles each way. I, I think gas money would have been like thirty dollars or something like that for that same trip. Really. Yeah, I think it would have been more than that. Really? Yeah, I mean, my, See, my I'm car, clueless because I haven't paid, that, bought dude. gas in you're forever. All, yeah, you're <laughs> at, like, when you stopped driving gas, it was like at two bucks probably a gallon. Right now it's like a four. Yeah. And right now it's, what is it, June of 2019. So gas is expensive. Yeah. I think that trip for me and my car, which is a Subaru four-cylinder, probably would have been about maybe 80 bucks really yeah because it's like one full tank i mean here to vegas is more than 300 miles right uh it's probably around that 320 350 yeah so like that's that. one tank and then to get back i mean so yeah. 70 80 bucks yeah maybe? probably 60 to 80 bucks i yeah. would say so yeah that cost me seven bucks that's cheap so it's yeah. super cheap right so compared to gas in fact the first tesla video i did uh which now has over a million views was me looking at a spreadsheet basically explaining to my wife why we were saving or how much money we were saving by owning a Tesla. And it came out to be about 50%, I think, or 47% Mm -hmm. on just fuel. So if you think about the gas, the price of gas has gone up crazy and your electricity is relatively stable in terms of price. It does go up over time. Um, but you know, a good rule of thumb is about 50%. So if whatever you pay now, maybe 150 bucks, 200 bucks a month in gas, just cut that in half. 
that'll be that would be a good you know just just baseline of how much money you'd be saving okay. with with the Tesla. There are other electric cars, whatever, but Teslas are kind of the most efficient. So that, if so. you if you charge at like a supercharger, it's going to cost you about seven bucks to get a full charge. Um, Ish. Let me see. So you'd get seventy five kilowatt hours times twenty six cents. So I think that'd be like fifteen bucks, maybe. Okay. Yeah, Still but I. Cheap. Yeah, but I didn't have to charge fully each. You know, mm-hmm. like when I paid the seven bucks, it wasn't like a, a full tank. It okay. was only like the amount that I needed to get there and back. Okay. So what about free charges? Like, where yeah. do you get? Because you can you can come up on free charges, right? That's right. Yeah. So some cities, some towns have uh, just free electric vehicle chargers, and you can use those. Uh, Tesla themselves have these destination chargers, like the ones in Valle, mm-hmm. um, where a hotel or a restaurant or somebody like that um, will install uh, these Tesla chargers. Now, these aren't superchargers, so they're not as fast. But um, when you go there, generally, you're going to be eating at the restaurant, staying at the hotel, and those will be free. Okay. So so you don't pay at all for those. You only pay for supercharging. So let me ask you a question. Like, when you or Tesla owners in general go into a parking lot, do you just instead of just parking there do you always just like oh let me just come get a couple little you know yeah some, Th- some think of it here. like your well it depends right like think of it like your phone mm-hmm. um so in in the uh, in the ev community electric vehicle community we think of it as two ways there's uh necessity charging and convenience charging exactly yeah right so if i'm on a road trip and i'm going somewhere i'm gonna like i'm gonna need it right it's not not just uh just because i'm here but if i'm you know like i go surfing in del mar every friday and there's a spot nearby that has a tesla supercharger and we'll go get coffee there and talk shop and i'll charge because i'm there yeah so so yes and no you know but nice man like you, it's super you can nice. Just always yeah. be, but right. those that cost you money at the end of the day too, right? Those um, destination chargers. It no, the destination chargers oh, don't no, cost those money. Those don't. Those no. don't. Okay, but superchargers. S- superchargers okay, okay. do. However, I have my car is a 2016, and in 2016 they were making every car that was made in 2016 has unlimited free supercharging for life. Wow. So I, I'll never have to pay for charging. That's beautiful. Um, from Tesla, uh, with that car. Now, if I get a new one, I will. Okay. Right. So I'll be screwed when I get my. <laughs> Unless for... you buy a used one. Hey, and, true that. And there are, and the thing about these cars is, there's almost no maintenance, and they they're rated like the battery itself is rated to last five hundred thousand miles. So even if you bought a car with a hundred thousand miles on it, it still has a whole lot of life, like ten plus years mm-hmm. of ownership before you even have to think about uh, an issue. And uh, the brakes and everything else, like the maintenance is almost zero on these cars. It's literally like just barely above zero. Okay. So um, so if you can buy a 2016 that has free charging for life. That's worth it. I mean, if you're, yeah, it, like especially if you don't have a place to charge at home, mm-hmm. you know, because it is less convenient, right? If I charge at home, it's the most convenient thing in the world. I get home, I plug in, I wake up, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I, I spend zero additional time charging. Now, if I have to charge at a supercharger or somewhere else, then that means I'm going to take time out of my day, right? So now now it's fine because the superchargers are usually at a mall or somewhere cool. Mm. That was like, oh, I'll do something while I'm there. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you know, you can definitely buy a used Tesla, a couple years old that still has a lot of life left in it that will get free, char- free supercharging forever. Okay. So what about like when 
the 500,000 mile mark comes around, will it be just as simple as changing the battery? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. So there's a company actually um, that had these Tesla rentals, and in their their Tesla, their first one just hit 450,000 miles, and the battery still has. So what happens is, um, think of maybe if you've had a laptop or a cell phone or something that won't hold its charge as, as good after a couple of years. That's essentially what's happening. The battery still works. It's just maybe before you got 300 miles on a full charge, now you get 280 or 260, right? So it still works. It's still fine. It just doesn't have as much range. Okay. So you don't necessarily have to replace it. Um, and at that point in time, because let's say 100, uh, what do we say, uh, 500,000 miles. If you, I mean, if you think about how long that is, most people drive 13,000, maybe 15,000 miles per year. Mm-hmm. 500,000 miles. It's a lot. You're talking 20 years. Yeah. So who the hell knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean, at that point, if you still have that car, it's a classic. Yeah, it is. A you're classic. you're, you're going to be driving something else. Or in 20 years, we won't even be driving. Right. It'll be maybe illegal for humans to drive. So you think Tesla's are going to age really well, like with like, I mean, they will it be varies. classics, right? Like yeah. eventually it'll be like having a, a 64 Impala or something, yeah. right? Like, right. Will we ever see a lowrider Tesla? That's the question. I mean, lowered, but right? you mean like, like hydraulics? On, no, <laughs> I don't think so. The thing's too damn heavy. It's too heavy, right? Yeah, the I mean, like six thousand pounds or something it, for the X. It yeah, for the Model X, the gross vehicle weight is over six thousand pounds, which is like a Ford super heavy duty truck. That's crazy. Yeah, and 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 that shit will blow the doors off a Lamborghini. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. that's what's so insane. Yeah, people don't realize like. You can go watch a video, if you guys haven't seen it, of a Model X, which is Tesla's SUV, the safest SUV ever ever built, ever tested. You know, family car, seven-seater, beating a Lamborghini Aventador in a quarter-mile drag race. <laughs> That's crazy. I seen the race. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's... And it just it, leaves it behind. It's not like a... Yeah. It's like... Now, out, now like, what happens is if you had a, that's a quarter mile race. If you had a half mile or a mile, the Lamborghini it would win. up, yeah. Right, because Teslas are uh, are capped at a certain um, top speed. Uh, and it's just software. They just say you can't go above this because why would you ever need to go above 150 miles per hour? Yeah. Never. You don't need to. I don't think I've even ever gone above 110. Really? Maybe. I don't know, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe. My, my friend Dan just did a race in Utah, and he took his Model X, the, the, the P100D, the top of the line, yeah. and he got it up to 163 miles per hour. 163? Yeah. Okay. And, so, it, and it's a charity event where they take all these supercars and they do that. Can that's, you hack it or something to go faster? No, they, they, Tesla increased it okay. recently. Okay. Yeah. So the top of the line model, so let's talk about like... Because uh, I, I hear the name P90 is also yeah. one, right? P90D. Right. Mm-hmm. The regular ones are just like, let's let's talk about the S model. So like okay. Model S, there's, there's yeah. like the S. They, they've changed. Okay. So it used to be that the number was the size of the battery. Okay. So you could have a 60, a 70, a 75, an 85, a 90, or a 100. Okay. So all that meant was how much energy, how much, how big the battery is. And the bigger the battery, the longer range and the higher performance generally. Then you have the D, which is dual motor, so all-wheel drive. Okay, okay. Right, so like my Model X is a P90D. Okay. So the P stands for performance. Now, performance means that it has an actual different motor and drivetrain and like Suspension. basically fatter cables <laughs> okay. to, to push more energy through. Suspension-wise, though, is it more like It's stiff? the same. Stiff? No, okay. no, it's the same. Um, 
the performance model three might have different suspension i think that one does it has different rotors and stuff but but in general so that's the the naming convention it's p stands for performance otherwise there's no p the number would be the how big the battery is and then the d means dual motor okay so like my model s the one i first bought is just a 60. there's no p there's no d none it's a 60. it's just actually 60, the, the 60 one motor yeah, just, just rear wheel drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. So when you look at them and you see, now they've went away from that. So now I don't even know exactly what they're calling them, but it's like standard range, long range, and performance are the new naming conventions. Okay. Yeah, and I think they, I think they're still making one rear wheel drive model, the Model 3 standard edition. But beyond that, um, everything is dual motor. So all wheel drive. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Once you go all wheel drive, you really don't want to like, like, I've been driving a Subaru now for five, four years, five years. Mm -hmm. And it does make a difference. You feel yeah. safer when it rains. You have a like lot of control. Over. Totally. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think I would ever want to go back to rear. Like, but yeah. I mean, you don't, D. you don't need it in, in a place like Southern California yeah. really, but yeah, certainly it's better. I mean, and, and I think Tesla will soon just, that'll be all they make. Mm -hmm. And the part of the reason is because yes it's better for traction control you can go in snow or stuff stuff like that or rain it's not you know it has better uh better control the vehicle which means it's safer and also it's uh, it's more efficient because what the, what they do or what they were doing is they were putting smaller more efficient motors so that way these two can actually uh get you further on the same amount of energy so it was one of those things where you know it was all also for that reason okay so what's up with the the um, I've heard Tesla like roof panels on the car that will basically mean that you don't have to charge. Is that just a rumor? Is it coming? A solar? Yeah, the solar panels. Like, is, no. it, is it pretty far off? Basically, that's. I I don't think that will ever be uh, an actual solution. Uh, Ford did this with the Ford C Max in 2014, I believe. Someone can fact check that, but. Uh, they put solar panels in it and Karma did it with the Karma Fisker or whatever it's called. I think yeah. it's called the Rivero now. Um, and so they actually have it. There are cars that have electric cars that have solar panels on the roof. The problem is, let me just give you an example. So at my house, I have 16 full-size home uh, solar panels. So these okay. are the most high energy efficient ones in you know that, that they make. The, the Tesla ones? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, j just, just the solar panels themselves. Okay, okay. Now I have 16 of them. They cover almost my entire roof of my of, of my house, almost the entire thing, right? Those on a full day, uh, you know, full sun all day long, give me enough energy to charge the Tesla about halfway. So six, so my entire house covered in solar, full sun for a full, you know, 16 hours or however long the sun is up, only give me enough energy to charge it halfway. Yeah. Right. So an integrated solar panel into the glass roof the 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 surface area is tiny and the efficiency because you also have to have tint and everything else on it is is really reduced compared to like what i have on my house you can basically charge your phone from it is about it so solar technology that exists today does not have a chance at actually charging an electric car um, but people have done it and it does help with yeah charging the 12 volt battery or the radio or something like okay. that yeah but it, it'll never be enough to charge a full car there are companies that are doing this but what they do is they put solar panels on the entire car 
the the hood, the doors, the and back, it, and it everything. Looks pretty crazy. Right? It looks ridiculous. Yeah, th- there is one in in Europe. I forget what it's called. Like a, I want to say Sonos, but that's not right. It's like Sono. It's a speaker with wheels. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um, but th- these guys are doing something crazy. They even have a uh, moss, like living organic stuff inside as an air filter. Okay, that's that's. It's a much. it's a trip, and it's glass. You can see like the moss in there and all this. Anyways, I don't know. It's 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 a concept. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's a real thing. Yeah. So the, I think the next big, big thing, which we were talking about on the trip that we took, uh, solid state batteries, right? Like yeah. That, that's going to be what you guys are kind of all waiting I for. I mean. And it seems more feasible than solar panels. Like. Yeah, totally. So no, tell, us, tell us what a solid state battery is. Because I, I didn't know. Yeah. And it kind of was really funny. So, so in my understanding of it isn't super deep, but in a Tesla car or any any electric car uh, right now, what you have are a ton of batteries. Mm-hmm. So like in my Model X, um, we calculated it yesterday. So imagine a AA battery, right? Just like a battery cell. Now in my car, we have about 7,100 of those. And they're all like basically networked together. So that that's really all the battery is, is a ton of little tiny, like regular batteries, mm-hmm. just all networked together. Now these are, super high capacity there it's it's you know light years ahead of what you would actually buy for a double a battery now that is uh not as efficient and not as good as if you could have the whole thing be just one solid piece and so with a solid state battery instead of having tons and tons of little battery cells you essentially have like one thing and the beauty of it is that the energy density if they're able to do it is going to be a lot higher and the charge rate is going to be a lot faster. So imagine in the same amount of weight, and because really that's what you're you're going up against is how much how much weight do you have to pull? Because the heavier it is, the more power you need. Um, when you do that, if you can have you know a thousand miles of charge or something like that instead of you know three hundred miles. That's what's crazy. A thousand miles. Yeah, and then because of how the battery the architecture is designed, you'll be able to charge it in like you know literally like, like 30 seconds that would be so, the day when we might see the tesla doing the baja 1000 yeah 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 yeah. that would be fucking cool I, I told you about that i think that would be so cool like the i first think someone's tesla. done it on in an electric car really yeah these guys i know in san marcos they have a they have a it's a shop called ev west mm-hmm. they do electric car conversions so they'll take an old 1960s porsche and make and put a tesla motor and battery in it and the thing will just be amazing. Wow. And I so they can do that. Yeah. I mean, these guys, that's what they do. That's dope. It's super cool. And so they actually have a, an old Volkswagen bug that they did that with. So it has a Tesla battery and motor in it. And and they take it down to Baja a lot. And they have like a solar panel battery trailer that they take with them. So you can go and then like charge up and then refill on the battery. So it's, it's pretty dope. I mean, but it's a total just hacker like throwing shit together it's, yeah. it's not like you just you bought this off the shelf this is like it's pretty dope you yeah. know but i guess a lot of the baja stuff it's like you know it is like hacker stuff yeah like totally it's like a ford f-150 but yeah some people with crazy suspension and stuff like yeah that. now did they go all the way down like how far it's a thousand miles yeah, yeah so there's two races from mm-hmm. like what I, i'm not super deep in the culture even though as a kid i i've been going to baja 1000 races for mm-hmm. for while with my dad and it, there's a 500 which mm-hmm. goes like halfway down and the 1000 goes down goes to Cabo or down. something 
yeah all the way down to Cabo I believe and I actually think I don't know if it's round trip or not fuck I don't know I was gonna say yeah how do you get it back <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know if it might be round trip because Baja's huge huge yeah. huge place right it's almost like I don't want I don't know if it is or, or but like the size of Italy like when, oh, in really? terms of like length mm. um, is it longer than California well it takes like 18 hours to get down to Cabo from TJ I believe wow so like I mean long San Francisco way. is 8 hours yeah right it's pretty long yeah like I don't know we'll, we'll have to fact check it but dude Baja's huge yeah right that's the thing about Mexico too that people sometimes like just don't realize and Brazil as well is another country that just don't realize how massive they yeah. are. I mean, Brazil's like when you have you seen those maps where mm-hmm. you, where they fit countries into like oh yeah they yeah show you like the whole U.S. fits inside of Brazil. And oh really? Yeah, it's huge. Wow. You know, I saw one like that too. Um, Alaska is like half the size of the United States. Really? That is the the one state. Yeah, but the deal is this goes back to the data science stuff. So maps is a, a visualization of data points, mm-hmm. and so. Um, there are different uh, because the earth is not flat uh it's a sphere so you're not a flat earth you <laughs> <laughs> um it, because it's a sphere you can't actually draw on a flat surface what a country looks like so you have to use what they call projections and so a projection is a way of preserving so so basically if you want brazil to look like brazil um, and then you also want to see other parts of the country as well, or, or other parts of the world as well. You either have to choose to preserve the shape or the size. So if you preserve the size, then the shape of the country will become all distorted. It'll look weird. But if you keep if you keep the shape of it, which is I think what we all have learned or what's what was the winning uh, version, then the size of it actually like the further away you get from the equator, the the smaller it actually is. So Alaska, when you look at that uh, on a map up, you know, far north, it looks like not very big. But when you bring that same size of that shape down into like where the regular rest of the U.S. is, it's about half the size of the United States. That's wild. Yeah, it, it's called uh, oh, man, I forget Albers USA projection. There's a bunch of data scientists and I, I, I guess actually cartographers, people that make maps, and there's different ones out there. So nice. it, it's it's crazy when you look at all the different ones. It is, and we, and actually like us on, on in the new world, mm-hmm. like Europe, for example, like France is the size of Texas. Yeah, that's a whole country. Yeah, and you think about like all the things that France represents from like a soft power, like how big <laughs> they are, like right, how many things France influences. The same thing with Japan. It's just like us over here. My European friends sometimes are like, dude, you're gonna drive for how long to get to? Yeah. Like, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll be in, you know, the south of the country by then. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, people, I get the, I get it a lot too. People will come out here to San Francisco and they'll say, hey, you know, do you have, are you free on this thing? Can you drive up and like, let's go to lunch? Mm-hmm. Like, nah, man, like I'll fly. Yeah. It's it, They don't realize how far that actually is. Yeah, it's super far. I mean, you can, I, I enjoy driving to SF. It's such a nice flight from SD. It's like an hour. Yeah. Yeah, you, you literally sit down and you're I used there. to work up there, so I was, yeah. It's a nice little flight, right? It's chill. Yeah, it's easy. So <clears throat> let's go back to your, your uh, humble beginnings here. So you um, went on a nice Tesla tangent, which I think is like important. A lot of people want to know about like, mm-hmm. the car. Like, it's sure. Very curious. Uh, but you're a YouTuber now. So your life, your job yeah. is now like producing, making content for YouTube. 
um what's that like uh, how crazy is it because a lot of people don't realize that like it's not it's not all fun and games like there's a lot of work man it, you it know? is like, so much work uh so t- but it's fun that. what's what's it like being a youtuber what's your day like what's your process yeah i mean half of the like there are different kinds so i can only really talk about my experience right but i have had other conversations with people because what happens is you get you get people like you doing one thing specifically and so you end up just having to do that thing over and over and it's kind of you kind of get stuck in that Mm -hmm. then there are other people that can just do whatever the hell they want um, but you know, there, so so there's there, there's pros and cons to each side. So we're for talking me, about that guy too, by the way. The the guy just does random shit, but that's what people expect of him, right? That one YouTuber. I forgot his name, but he, he Casey. Put, yeah, he filled up a pool with some. Oh, stuff. Mr. Beast. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mr. Beast. Yes, yeah, super interesting stuff. Now, now, but it's funny because now, like, w- what happens as a YouTuber is like, you make a. So my strategy, if anyone wanted to start or get into it. Um, bring your personality, whatever your background is, whatever your perspective is, whatever whatever is unique about you, to something that is already interesting. So if people want to, if you know, this is like the tech YouTuber space where people are like, oh well, people love cell phones. There's just you know, people love it. Like like it's a popular thing. You know, millions upon millions of people have them. They're always interested in what's latest and greatest, whatever you can bring your personality to that space and people will like that yeah right that's one way of going about it but then eventually you get stuck and that's all you can do um because no one cares if you you know talk about a camera because they only care about phones or something like that so so eventually you get to this point where you're thinking of you're trying to come up with interesting and relevant stuff and in some spaces that's easier than others in my space with Tesla, super easy because Tesla is always coming out with new shit. There's always something interesting in the news. Sometimes it's just like, hey, here's this new whatever, this new car. Other times Elon is pissing someone off and getting sued or whatever. Smoking weed on Joe Rogan. Right, right. <laughs> so there's always something. So for me, in terms of thinking of new content, that part isn't too hard because there's literally so much shit happening Content's all the time. coming to you. Yeah, say, right? but see, if you look at Mr. Beast, he, I mean, obviously, it's tremendously tougher, yeah. successful, but he has to come up with this shit on his own because it's not his, like, he's not in a, a space that is constantly changing. His space is one that he created. So he has to, co- so it's actually more challenging probably for him to think of how do I make something cool and, and interesting and new, whereas me, it's a bit easier because I, I, there's actually there's actually too many things happening and I get to pick the ones I, I find interesting. Right. Then you get into, for me specifically, because my videos, my content is, I try to have a message and a story and, and I want somebody at the end of every video to have received something that helps them be a little bit smarter. Um, and, and so, you know, that's why there's data. That's why there's research. So it's a production. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it is a full on like mini production. Yeah. Exactly. Storyboard stuff. I know I've seen your, like a little bit about your process before we, we just did a trip to Valle where Ben, uh, shot some, some footage for his, uh, mm-hmm. account. We did some shooting too. And it's really like, you know, you're, you're planning shit out. You're not just, yeah going out and i mean i mean some people could do that but with with what you do and actually for it 
to become there, your livelihood, you do need to like. Th- th- there's kind of two ways, right? So, so the way I do it is uh, I actually use a storytelling technique called the three act structure. Okay. So if you look at basically how humans have told stories forever, this is a common format where you have a setup, a conflict and a resolution. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, uh, the setup, uh, Captain Marvel gets, you know, is in this flight program and gets turned into a superhero. There's the conflict of these people trying to, to control her and take her down and whatever else. And then she ends up beating them back and becoming this massive superhero, right? So you have a setup, a conflict, and a resolution. Like if you watch any movies, any stories out there, Game of Thrones, any of this stuff, it all follows basically that same uh, story pattern. So I actually structure my videos in that way. So I start my video with what is the main message? What is the thing that at the end of this video, I want someone to walk away with? Is it, hey, Tesla Autopilot is actually pretty safe, despite what you've heard in the media, or an electric car catching fire is damn near impossible. And you know, like, like whatever the message is, I start with that. What is the main point of this video? Then I start breaking it down into the setup. Okay, well, if we're talking about Autopilot, well, what is Autopilot? Who created it? How does it work? Or what other forms of Autopilot are there? There's cruise control, which we're all familiar with. Airplanes. Airplanes, yeah. yeah. So, so, so like, how does this work? The conflict. Well, there's these reports. There are some issues. There are challenges. It's a new technology, mm-hmm. right? There's always uh, problems with new technology, but let's look at the data. Well, the data shows that it's two to three times safer than you are as, as a regular human driver. So then there's your resolution, right? So you can say like, so when I come into a video, I, there's a lot of research and a lot of planning that goes into it up front. Then the actual filming and editing are pretty straightforward because it's, I already know what I'm gonna shoot. I already know if I'm gonna have a B-roll, like, you know, some a shot of a car driving or something instead of, you know, while I'm talking over it. So it's already pre-planned. So all my work or 80% of my work happens before we hit record. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, of now the, on the other side of that, there are vloggers where people they just go film everything. Exactly. More like documenting. Yeah. They they'll raw. go they'll go to an event and they don't have a plan. They just try to film everything that's cool. Yeah. Now their work that's easy. Their work comes after the fact when you have 20 hours of footage, and you need to figure out <laughs> what's the message, what's dude. what's the story. Yeah. Right. So 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 in the end you need to have a message, you need to have a story. You can either do that work up front, um, like, you know, something that's more informational, or you can do it after the fact, mm-hmm. like a Casey Neistat, where every video he makes, the reason I think he's so successful, obviously he's a great filmmaker, but also every video he makes has a message. There's a meaning and a purpose. And so when people watch videos like his, you, you have a sense of, who he is and you associate with that. So it creates this real strong trust between you and him. Now his job though, filming is the easy part. It's the after the fact part that takes all the work for him. Yeah. So so I think, you know, being a YouTuber, you need to operate in a space that's interesting. If you were just like, hey, I really like, you know, these water bottles. I'm just gonna talk about water bottles. No one, maybe no one gives a shit about water bottles. Right. I'm sure there are people that are right. But but the point being, like you bring who you are, your personality, whatever special me, I'm a, I've worked in data for almost 20 years. So that's what I brought to the Tesla space and, and, and do it in a way that's unique and different. So you're adding value. You you know, you can do a review of an iPhone just like MKBHD can do a review of an iPhone, but you'll do it differently. 
So, so people get really hung up on, hey, if someone's already done that, but you haven't done that, right? So if you're literally just trying to copy someone, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but just because someone else talked about this thing doesn't mean that you can't also talk about that thing. Yeah, it's okay. It's accepted. And also, like, what you said at the beginning, I always say it with, because um, in our industry, like, we get all kinds of people that want to do a logo or whatever. And they'll come to us and, you know, like, oh, and this was more like a couple of years ago where you saw more of this because I think we're more nowadays in like the post app economy if you want to call it that not everybody's not just trying to make an app anymore but remember like 2012 everybody was like oh yeah I got an app idea everybody wanted <laughs> yeah. to make an app and when Instagram started really taking off I would just tell people like dude don't make an app just join yeah you know you know create something for this platform that's where people's eyeballs are at don't try to like Right. Rearrange the wheel. And also, it, that's where my shift started going into the, the, like, our agency going more into the social media side of things because brands would be like restaurants. Like, yeah, I, I want to make an app for, for my restaurant. No, it's like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. The first step is getting people to download the app. Like, right. And, and this happened a lot in my previous industry, which was banking, where I, I wanted our our the banks to start getting into social media and like no we got to make an app and yeah I have all the dining program stuff on the app and it's like dude first step is to get people to download the fucking app that's like, hard man the way I like to think of it is and and maybe this isn't people m- might not uh, agree with this but Chris Rock actually talked about it in one of his recent things uh, you know where he th- th- this is just the best analogy so Chris Rock tells his kids. And, and, you know, this is what he said. I don't know if he really does it. His daughters, he said, look. like a stand-up piece? Yeah. Yeah. He said, look, outside of this house, no one gives a fuck who you are. No one gives a fuck about you whatsoever. (laughs) Yep. Right? Operate on that assumption. So, like, if you start making Instagram videos, YouTube videos, whatever, start with the assumption that why should anyone give a shit about you? Right? And, And chances are they don't. Like now later, when you become a famous person or when you become, you know, whatever, people will give a shit about you. But there's no reason in the beginning why they should. So instead of operating on the assumption of like, I'm the shit and I'm cool, don't do that. Operate on the assumption of like, oh, people fucking love Teslas. I love Teslas too. I'm going to go talk about them and I'm going to be me. And then eventually people will start to care somewhat about me as well. Right. Even where I'm at in my space, and I'm not big by any stretch of the means here. I mean, maybe within a little niche I am, but but in the general sense, I'm uh, my YouTube channel. Everything is very small. Like, if if I post something about why I like a certain thing, people do respond to it. Mm-hmm. If I did that when I first started, people would be thinking, "Who's this asshole? Like, why do I care about you? Yeah. I, I don't." So if you operate with that assumption, it's a very humble thing, right? Because I think social media with all the numbers that are in our face, the likes, the followers, the whatever, they they can be defeating when we see other people that, that we think suck and they have these big numbers. Um, and, and, and it also can be emboldening of like, oh, well, I got 100 people like that photo, I'm the shit. Mm-hmm. I think that's a terrible way to go. I think you have to start with the assumption. So like a restaurant that wants to make an app, why the fuck would anyone want your app? Yeah, exactly. Why do they give a shit? They, 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 like there has to be a reason first. It's easier to just put up a dope picture of a taco, which is something that people already like, right? For exactly. Example, yeah. Get them to like the photo. That's the thing, man. I think 
vanity metrics are a piece of shit. I yeah, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I hate fucking vanity <laughs> metrics because it's it's not really like um, I don't know. I just I feel like because because even yourself, like you have by no means like you said, you're not Casey Knight's at 20 right. million or whatever, right. but you do influence people, and that's a, like if you were to put all your subscribers in. You can't even fit them in well, one room, man. You know what I mean? Like it's, you, you, probably you can't to, fit them in a, in two football probably, stadiums. Probably like two Maracanas, Brazil, <laughs> staying on the Brazil topic. Or yeah. two, a Maracana and a Estadio Azteca, dude. Ah, uh, like okay. That, you know, two of those big-ass stadiums that, yeah. you know. But that's a lot of people, dude. Well, I think the vanity metrics is a, a great topic because in social media, it's really easy to, to fall into this trap. Mm-hmm. And the hard part is to figure out what's real and what's not that's um, super hard yeah and, and so there are so many examples super of hard this. and super easy sometimes too some yeah of the, some of these fake people you can just totally now and and sometimes it's it's complete bullshit where people bought subscribers and that's just in in the, the easiest way to tell so you can do that on youtube as well just like totally. instagram you can buy followers you buy yeah. subscribers okay. now, now now what i like to do is i like to focus on what is the ratio so if you have uh, a million followers on Instagram and you post a photo, you should be getting like 100,000 likes on that. Totally, yeah. You know, and, and that's only like 10% engagement now, which is high. It's really high. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you have a million followers and you're getting 1,000 likes, something's, some, off. something's wrong there. Now, it could be the algorithm hates you, right? Because that's the thing I think a lot of people don't understand is like you, you can make a great piece of content, whether that's a photo, a video, whatever. But just because you make a good piece of content doesn't mean the algorithm gives a shit. Exactly. It, it may not care, you know? Um, so so it, there's, there's this weird dance that you have to do of making something that the algorithm likes that then when people see, they react to. And you can look at the, those numbers. Like there's some, some YouTubers out there, I'm not gonna name any names, but people with a million or even 10 million subscribers that get fewer views on their videos than I get. Now, I'm, that's not me bragging. That's not me not saying I'm the shit. I, I'm saying either they bought those subscribers or something happened and no one gives a shit about them anymore. Yeah. Right? And so I really wish in social media we could get away from these vanity metrics. And there there are some platforms so doing Instagram's this. So Instagram's thinking about doing it. You heard that, right? They're uh-huh. going to take away the... Followers? Well, just like the... the of, of, ability to see likes and stuff like you'll be able to see your likes mm. but other people won't be able to like go on your picture and be like oh he got a thousand likes on it. oh just be like that's a nice picture oh, i can like it you and should see it afterwards i think this was the thing and you can do this well see so so on youtube i did some experiments where i so there are some controls so on youtube i can actually uh prevent people from seeing how many people like or dislike a video Okay. To where when you go to the video, you just see like and dislike. You don't see numbers. Okay. And I did some experiments. People on, in my videos, they they would like the video about twice as much if they did not already see the numbers that were there. So what happens is a couple people dislike the video and then other people jump on that. And then eventually everyone fucking hates it. Yeah. But really, they don't hate it. They just want to be a part of that crowd. They just want to be a part of the people that are hitting dislike. Exactly. And so there's this herd mentality. So, and this totally, is totally. Psych- psychologists study this shit forever. And and it's one of those things. If you can remove some of those those bias in, in, in the beginning, then I think you get a more authentic reaction to to a piece of content. 
Um, so it's really interesting. Like uh, the thing I would love particularly is on YouTube where instead of showing you subscribers, it showed you monthly active viewers or monthly unique viewers. Okay. So if you look at my channel, I think I'm at 140,000 subscribers. But on an on a, on an average month, I get like six to seven hundred thousand individual people watching a video. So like, if you look at other people, they could th- be the those exact are not subscribers. Opposite. Those are just like just no. people. Eighty percent of the surfing YouTube. Eighty percent of the views on my channel are from non-subscribers. So I, I average around a million views per month, and so like eight hundred thousand views are from people that are not subscribed. So if you were to look at a YouTube channel and instead of seeing a subscriber number, you saw a monthly active user number, like how many people yeah. are actually consuming their content, that would, especially if you're a totally brand. different picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and especially as a, if you were a brand trying to work with uh, an influencer or whatever you want to call them, that would be just a much more real picture of, of what's going on. Yeah. I tell that to my clients all the time because we, we have a, like at the end of the month, we, we do a... Uh, run a report whatever and impressions it's kind of like the same thing for Mm -hmm. for instagram and and the the twitter world for example impressions right like how many people actually see your content right versus like who's actually following you who actually engaged the content because a lot of times you'll see a picture of like a let's just stay on the taco of a taco you'll see a taco and you might screenshot it you might send it to a friend you might like you know Mm -hmm. on instagram you can you can like hit the bookmark button yeah and the impressions sometimes is like there are a million, you know, there can be a million impressions on an account that has 20,000 followers. And that's a lot of people that saw it. Yeah. And the clients don't want to see that though. They want to see like the followers. Yeah. They want to see like, the that's likes. what I'm saying. There's like, there's so like some education up. here a lot that, that they need, you know, a good example. And I don't know if you could spin this as a, like a way to communicate it to your clients, but Netflix used to ask people, when when you sign up for Netflix, what movies do you like? And people would answer, and they'd give you little boxes to click on. And people would answer. So th- this is this is our human psychology. It's, it's fascinating. People would answer based on what they thought people would want. They would want to be presented as. So you know, let's give you a list of movies and say which ones do you like. You're gonna pick out Schindler's List. You're gonna pick out Roma. Right, you're gonna pick out these movies. Dark Knight, Batman. <laughs> right, right. But but see, if you pick out something that, like like if you want to show yourself as a sophisticated cinema uh-huh. person, cinephile. Yeah, you're gonna be picking out movies that you would be proud for other people to to see that you were watching. Yeah. So not the rom coms that you're actually right. <laughs> exactly. Then you hop in and you just watch Adam Sandler all night, and the alg- and the Netflix algorithm sucks because. You told it one thing, and then you do something different. Yeah. So people are terrible at. Um, I don't know if it's intentional, but but when we're when we're aware that people might see what we're doing, our behavior changes. Yeah. And so Netflix totally. stopped doing this. They stopped asking you what movies do you like. Instead, they ask you which of these movies are you familiar with. So now you're just saying, oh, I'm familiar with that movie. You're not saying I like that yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. And the and, and the the accuracy of the algorithm to recommend you videos and movies that, or movies and TV shows you'd want to watch just went through the roof. So people's psychology around these things changes when, when they think someone else is watching. You know, this is why I talk about the value of email marketing, because if I send you an email 
it's me and you in that conversation. If I post a video and there's a thousand comments on it, that's that's you in a room of a thousand people trying to have a conversation. Yeah. Right? It, it's just a totally different dynamic. The things you're going to say are So you're still doing different. email marketing. Or, Absolutely. There's a, okay, I'm going to sign up for your newsletter. Yeah. I haven't it, it, it every, so, so it's pretty basic. Uh, every video that I make uh, gets sent to my email list. Okay. Um, mostly to just remind them. So as a, crea- as a content creator, there's a thing too where these algorithms control your life. So whether Instagram really or Facebook, they YouTube. They totally do. I'm glad you said that, by the way. I hope <laughs> my clients are listening to this shit right now. <laughs> no, it, it's for real. So, so I, I have to tell people my boss is an algorithm. And, and the, actually, there's a weird dance of like, I need to make a title and a thumbnail on YouTube as clickable as possible. So like a good example, I just did, uh, I think my most recent video published as of today is, um, it was basically the Tesla shareholder recap. So there's a shareholder meeting where Elon Musk spoke and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But if I just put Tesla shareholder recap, no one's gonna give a shit. The algorithm's not gonna like it, people aren't gonna click on it, none of that. So what do I do? I put Elon Musk on Tesla truck and Tesla sales at shareholders meeting. Yeah, because the truck is the talk of the town right now. Tesla truck and Tesla sales. And and what's the thumbnail? It's a picture of Elon with a microphone from the event. So it's a real thing from that. And in bold text, Tesla truck, Tesla sales details. And Boom. You, ch- you changed the header on your YouTube channel too, right? Which one? To the Elon with the microphone. Because I, I don't know, I went yeah. on your YouTube channel today and I was like, am I on the right channel? Yeah. But it that's the first thing I noticed, mm-hmm. you know, like, so. Yeah, so every time I upload a new video, I make I make that the featured video and the channel trailer. Because a lot of times people will land on your page. And for me, like, you, you know, other creators, other YouTubers will have an actual like, hey, welcome to my channel. This is what I do, just fine. But I'm, I'm just like, yo, here's my latest video. That That should be enough of a sign of what I do. If you like it, cool. If not, adios. Like, don't care. So it's one of those things where, to me, that's where I, I push all my latest stuff. But you have to, as a content creator, like your you, your first line, the first person you have to get through to, to find success with a piece of content is the algorithm. Exactly. So I need to use keywords. I need to use images that, that people are going to click on. So, so what happens in YouTube specifically, if you want to go into this a little bit, is... The first people to see it are the people that are subscribed and have rung the notification bell, right? Then, um, if those people do not like my video, if they don't click on it and they don't watch for a good period of time, then it the YouTube algorithm is going to not suggest it to random new people, right? I did this funny video with my wife a while ago where we were smashing fruit in the trunk of a Tesla. I saw that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I remember we talked about I it. I like that video. Yeah, you were like, yeah, my audience fucking hated it. And it's because most of my content is very serious. It's very, you know, whatever. And this was just completely different, completely random. I had a a ton of fun making it, but because my audience didn't like that video, they didn't click on it. They didn't watch for a long period of time. The, I don't know if like to dislike ratio is important or not. I think the algorithm doesn't care. I think it sees all of that as the same. The views that they care. The, the, they care about click through ratio. So in Instagram, an impression is someone saw it, right? Yeah. In YouTube... For like one second or something, dude. One yeah. point something. So in YouTube, it's the same idea. But, you know, th- what they care about is impressions versus clicks on the video. Okay. So did you actually see this title and thumbnail and click on it? 
Now, if that's high, YouTube is gonna start suggesting that video to people, right? Then the next, the next big important part is how much of the video did they watch? Because all YouTube cares about, the algorithm anyways, is keeping people watching YouTube videos longer Running ads so they can too. serve more ads and yeah. make more money. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, which is always funny when people complain about, oh, the algorithm is suppressing this because I said this, free speech, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, this is not a free, this is not public discourse. This is a company trying to make money, mm-hmm. right? And you just gotta be aware of that. Yeah. So the first thing is click-through rate. The second thing is watch time. Um, so if people are watching for a long period of time and they're clicking through, then then that then it's gonna the algorithm is gonna continue to share that video with other people. Yeah, and the algorithm is getting like more and more like tough, right? Like I always say this to, to kids and people that want to like they think this is easy, right? Like what you do and what we do, and it's like yeah, like you're late in the game to like become an influencer. But you, it can still happen. But like in five years or ten years, it's gonna be so tough to get like even a thousand followers. Yeah. Which is not necessarily an easy thing right now. But it's like, dude, the I remember in 2012, 2013, how a lot of my friends that were really good photographers became influencers overnight because mm-hmm. that's how it was before. No like one was would, doing it. You know, I think that if you have something, a unique message, and you do a good job i think there will always be opportunity because this game is is a marathon this is not a sprint there is like very few people start making videos and instantly become popular uh the the best example and the one i like to use is peter mckinnon who i think you've seen some of his videos he's a vlogger um he i think is one of the quickest people to reach a million subscribers he did it in nine months and the deal is though when did he start like how many years ago was last it? year wow yeah maybe maybe two years ago or something he's at like 3.5 million now or something like that but i hung out with him a couple times and i talked to him about it and here's the deal he when he started youtube he was already a photographer and filmmaker for 15 years so yeah he, he hit a million subscribers in nine months but really that's 15 years in nine months. Yeah. Right? So so when he came into it, he was already a pro. That's a great way of looking at it. Now, it, there's an even, a, if people don't know who Peter McKinnon is, there's a, a better uh, story a, a example of this with Picasso, where Picasso was in France and he was doodling on a little piece of paper. He was like, like a napkin at, at a cafe or something, right? As you do when you're in Paris. And he goes to throw it away and a woman there recognizes him and says oh my god you're you're pablo picasso can can i have that napkin you were just gonna throw that away and and he's like oh sure it'll be twenty thousand dollars she's like what do you mean you were just gonna throw it away you know it, it only she the, the the analogy was it only took you you know five minutes to 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 do that uh why is it worth twenty thousand dollars and he says it didn't just take me five minutes to do this it took me 30 years and five minutes to do this yeah right this would be worth nothing if he hadn't already been pablo picasso if he already hadn't been doing it for 30 years and becoming what he what he became so i think people really don't understand like like this is where even if you see a, a popular influencer or whatever and you're like oh they suck but you don't realize like how hard it is to suck like it is really fucking hard yeah. to get to a point where you still sound like shit you know um so if you come into it 
and you have a really good message, a unique perspective, something that's interesting, that's different, and you put forth all your effort and do a good job of it, even if you don't do a great job of it, but you're, you're really trying and, and you're getting better, I think people will will, will follow you. Um, I, I think there will always be opportunity for that because people drop out when they realize you can't get a million subscribers in nine months. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's just consistency too, right? You gotta. That's the biggest thing. I tell restaurants this all the time. It's like, all right, in the moment that you decide to hire us or that you decide to that you decided to open up an Instagram account, that means that you have to publish content every day for the rest of the restaurant's life so i always ask yeah. this question it's funny because we'll sit down for the first time and i'll ask a question so how long do you plan on keeping this restaurant open like oh what do you mean like forever like oh yeah is it just like a one month thing or two month thing <laughs> or is it forever and they'll typically say forever right and i'd lead into this because it's like all right if that's the case then don't be i don't want you guys to be calling us to tell us to sell your your damn tacos every day yeah because that's not what it's about like people don't want you to be selling them shit every day if you're going to be around for fucking 30 years i imagine it's really hard for a brand to so what i found on social media is there has to be a person there has to be an actual human on the other side of that exactly uh it's really difficult i think for many brands to have a strong following they just really don't because it's faceless it's it's not uh now now if you have corazon and you have diego in every video and every piece of content people start to love diego mm. right and corazon is just one of the things like there's a great book called uh from this author simon sinek called it starts with why mm. have you read that one i haven't but i know about simon sinek he's amazing yeah. he's good he has a good ted talk that summarizes this book as well uh and, and the thing he, you know, in terms of brands, the, one of the things he talks about is there's kind of three uh, three layers to, to a brand. Uh, and you, you have the, uh, the what they do. Uh, Apple makes computers, right? They make uh, phones, things like that. How they do it, they, they challenge the status quo. They, they, they attempt to make these beautiful, high quality products. And then the core of why Apple and Tesla and companies like that are so successful is why they do it. It's it's that they think different, right? Te Tesla is, we want to transition, we want to accelerate the transition to sustainable energy for the world. How could you not care about that? How could, like, even if you hate the cars, you have to be like, well, ah, fuck, let's do that, right? I, you know, so so at the core of uh, I think a strong brand that has a, 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 a cult-like following is the why. So if you're Corazon, why? It, it's it's not what. Cool, yeah, you've got a dope garden. The food is great. Whatever. Why? Why do you do it that way? And if you have a person that can tell that story, you know, that is where shit becomes like a next level thing where where people just just talk about it forever they, they they like it's it's in your soul you know yeah um and i think like it's probably really fucking hard to do it's super hard to do. most brands are like and that's why you need agencies like <laughs> plug be a media. uh no but seriously it's super hard like yeah. and and at the beginning though like if you're a brand like you should you shouldn't just hire an agency right away like you should build it up so like when you transfer it to an agency you'd be like yo this is the blueprint mm -hmm. this is how the brand says thank you 
you know, it's with emoji fist bump, not emoji <laughs> praise hands. Things like that, you know, are super, super important for for uh, for the brand voice and the tone that's going to take on social because it is it is like an everyday yeah. uh, thing. You can't you can't just stop. So, all right, let's let's switch it up really quick to because uh, I, I I'm curious always when I meet photographers and, and uh, content creators, like what's your setup? Um, you do most of your shooting like solo right like it's mostly you you do have mm-hmm. a crew sometimes that you that you work depending with depending on the shoot yeah but what's your your basic setup uh from just the the shooting like what cameras sure. do you use like so uh, equipment so right now i i kind of have two that i that are my go-tos i have a sony a6500 okay uh which is one of those mirrorless um cameras and uh, I, it, for vlogging, you know, I have various camera lenses on there. For vlogging, I have a wide-angle lens, 10 to 18, and then for other ones, I like the studio stuff. I have a 28 millimeter lens, um, f 2.0. So that's my typical kind of just vlog camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have the Gorilla Pod thing, which I fucking hate. I can't wait till I get my Switch Pod from my friend Pat, who's making these cool vlog camera rigs. I saw those. Yeah, um, so that'd be great. Uh, So anyway, so that's like my typical, that's vlog camera primary. The problem is stabilization is really bad. So if you wanna get like a sequence walking or something like that, I'm using the new uh, DJI Osmo Action camera, which is like a GoPro, but it has a front facing screen Mm -hmm. and the audio is actually usable. Uh, just out of the gate but mostly i use that for like little b-roll shots i can buy it like walking through the hills you know i got this like slow-mo of these of the quail that were like flying away as i was running towards them stuff like that okay so how, how does that thing perform uh with low light Is it's it's decent it i mean not nearly like my sony camera but compared to a gopro it is night and day okay uh, in fact peter mckinnon i think did the best comparison of those where because that was the biggest thing with i was using a gopro hero 7 uh with an external mic and as long as it's well lit it's fine it's great colors uh, color accuracy uh you know you can de-warp take that kind of like fisheye bubble look out the audio with the external mic is fantastic like it's dope it works really good the minute the light gets a little dicey and gets dark forget it it's terrible looks horrible and so the Osmo Action is isn't great, uh, but it's better than that, like like a hundred times better. Okay. Yeah. So those are my two like main cameras that I use. Okay. What about mics? Do you have any, do you do any field mics or anything? So like that? I have uh, on my Sony camera, I use a, a Shure something Hopper. I forget what it's called. S H U R E. And uh, this one has it's powered. I found so I've used the Rode every version of a road mic um, that they make and always the ones that i like are the ones that have a battery in them they just tend to have uh, better quality uh, and, and they tend to pick up from further away so that's my on that camera that's what i use in the studio i have an actual uh, boom mic set up with uh, it's a Rode ngt4 plus kind of shotgun mic that's that's hanging just above out of frame and that goes into a preamp which goes into the computer so so all that kind of stuff there and then yeah I think that's and then I use a lav mic from time to time as well so like, your whole setup fits in the back like when you're shooting in, in 100% you're, you're like pretty it, mobile yeah and I, I have this one called uh, it's from Peak Designs I forget what it's called but it's like a gear bag where it has these uh, these like little inserts mm-hmm. and, and they'll fold and kind of configure so you can like fit a camera lens and it'll hold it really snug and nice, and nice in there so you know I have a I have a kind of my backpack is kind of a design for camera gear uh, so yeah, I can fit 
basically all my gear in there, including a drone and stuff like that. Nice, nice. Yeah. Ben, well, we're going to wrap it up because we got to go back to work today. Uh, but uh, why don't you let everybody know where to find you on uh, YouTube and your recently opened Instagram account, which <laughs> is killing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can find me on YouTube. Just search for Teslanomics uh, or my name. You'll find that. Um, and then, yeah, on, on Instagram, it's Teslanomics Official. What about Twitter? Twitter's the same? Twitter, it's Ben Solens. Ben Solens. Okay, yeah, yeah, just my name. Because I, I started following you on Twitter and I, you've been active. Like, I, I love Twitter. Me too, man. Twitter, it. it's funny. It's I, the best. I was at a meeting and people were like, who uses Twitter? What's that for? I'm like, my friend got to interview Elon Musk on his podcast because of Twitter. Yeah. Twitter's fucking awesome. Like... I don't know if it's like a way to make money on social media, but I think it's the most fun. It's the best. I, I attended a conference in Chicago last year. I don't know if I told you this, but the, I, it was a, the pre, VP of marketing or director of marketing for Twitter uh, said something that was really cool. It's stuck. It's like every other social network, Facebook, Instagram, they're look at me networks. Mm-hmm. Look at what I ate. Look at where I went. Look at what I'm wearing, etc. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is cool. There's a culture for that. But then there's also the the Twitter world, which is like, hey, this is what's going on right yeah. now. This is what's happening right. right now. Like, you don't go on to Twitter to say like, oh, I just ate a sandwich or I something. I mean, you know? Twitter is the most amazing thing. Like, that photo of the guy that, uh, Sully Sullenberg, that landed the plane in the Hudson River in New York. That that photo was posted to Twitter. That's how they did that, right? The, the shit that's going on in Hong Kong right now. Like you can see what the what the mainstream media wants you to see, exactly. Or you can see what's real, what's actually happening there. And so, yeah, Twitter is one of those things. Like I don't even care if they make money as a company. Like that's a valuable public resource at exactly. this point. I think. So follow Ben on Twitter, Ben Words. Yep. I, I've been having a good time, uh, like with your tweets. Like it's, it's fun, man. <laughs> I, I, I try I to be funny, it. and my, my wife thinks I'm I'm nerdy, but I like it. I'm I like a dad. It. So Twitter I can is do a that. place where you can do that. Shit. exactly so, so yeah ben thanks a lot for uh for being on the on back of house and hopefully you can come back again chat it out because there's so many things we can geek out about but for sure for this first first time i appreciate your time man thank for you all right, all right guys thanks and we'll talk soon ciao nice nice y'all thank you for listening to back of house with ben sullins of teslanomics wanted to take a quick moment here to just leave you some of ben's uh social media channels so on youtube you can find him under teslanomics instagram he's teslanomics official all together one word and on twitter you can find ben tweeting under the handle ben sullins his full name all together and uh just hi Give, give him give him a shot check out his videos you guys will be hooked if you haven't driven a tesla or been inside of a tesla yet i highly suggest 
going to check it out um, and I'm going to drop Ben's referral code here in the uh, comments section but we're also going to tweet it out and uh, pin it on BN Made's Twitter so check it out and if you guys buy your Tesla make sure to thank Ben for those 5,000 extra charging miles that you're going to get thanks to to the boy sharing this code so uh, enjoy the code I guess I can't say enjoy the podcast because if you've got this far it means you've already listened to it so thanks for listening everybody and see you guys or talk to you guys soon ciao